Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Dave, aka Certified Finance Ace on WSO, shares his winding path and how he has found a great career as a senior valuation associate, making over 10 times what he did just five short years ago as an intern. Listen to hear how the great financial crisis in 2009 rocked his family life and his outlook, why he decided to start attending community college, how he transitioned to a four-year school and managed not to take on any debt, how internships in the CFA helped open doors, and the one strategy he has used to make almost every transition possible, including the latest to a senior valuation associate role where he's given a lot of autonomy and loves his job. Enjoy. Okay, Dave, thanks for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Patrick. It'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary bio. Yeah, of course. So um, in Boston, Massachusetts, born and raised. Um, go Pats. You know, go Pats, go Celtics, go Red Sox, right? <laughs> You're getting a lot of eye rolls right now, I'm sure. Like, Everyone's <laughs> already clicked off. Like, yeah. don't listen to this guy. <laughs> no, um, yeah, so just been in Boston. Uh, went to school system in Boston. Um, community college. Uh, I didn't go to uh, college right after high school, so there was a little break there. Um, but yeah, just kind of found my way, navigated through the educational system while kind of hopping around at internships to try to figure out what career path made sense for me. Uh, ended up landing in valuation, which is where I am currently, um, doing business valuations um, for private companies mostly. And yeah, I've been doing that for a little over a year, two different companies. Currently, I'm at Technos Associates, which is based out of San Francisco. Very cool. So let's go all the way back to uh, just high school. Did you think, you know, valuation and finance was in your, in your path or what, what kind of, what, what were you thinking back then? I know you were a wrestler and so I'm looking at your LinkedIn. So <laughs> what was the, what was the thought process that back then, or there wasn't much of one and how about your fam- How about your family and your, like, you know, the background of like what they thought you were going to do? Yeah, no, for sure. I think back in high school, I had no idea what I was going to do. Right. Um, I grew up in a fam. My dad's a truck driver. My mom's a waitress. Um, so the jobs that I've seen around me were kind of that blue collar work with your hands jobs. I knew I kind of didn't want to do that just because I saw it didn't seem sustainable to me. Right. Um, and my dad specifically was in food produce. There's a big uh, produce center in Chelsea, Massachusetts, oh, yeah. where it's just warehouse after warehouse after warehouse of uh, fruits, lettuce, salads, produce, 
Um, so I kind of grew up around that. And, you know, my first job was peeling um, plum tomatoes, the, the leaves off of them to yeah. get them into the salads themselves. Um, so, yeah, that's the type of jobs I grew up seeing. Um, and, you know, I graduated high school in 2009. Um, obviously, it wasn't the best time for really anyone. Yeah, really tough time to graduate high school. Were you thinking college uh, was in your, like, maybe kind of your thought process? Did your parents want you to go? Or were they like, hey, just start working? No, for sure. Everyone wanted me to go to college. And I think um, just my family got hit kind of hard between 08 and 09. Um, I was lucky enough to go to a private high school, Boston College High School. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that comes with a price tag, right? So... Um, senior year, actually mid senior year, I started driving a truck similar to what my dad was doing, uh, in produce. It was for Tedeschi's fresh foods. So yep. I would deliver, uh, the prepackaged sandwiches that you see at like gas stations. Yeah. I would deliver those across to Tedeschi's, which was bought by Seven Eleven. Uh, I would deliver those, uh, across new England during your senior year of high school. Right. So there's like this little break between when classes end and when you actually graduate yeah and in there there's a rehearsal for graduation yeah so graduation rehearsal i had to actually plan my route for that day and luckily i was going to be in the boston area which is where i went to school so mid route i drove my truck into the bc high parking lot um, and this is refrigerated goods so i had the truck running the entire dress rehearsal Oh my and gosh. then went back out and finished my route after that. So that's awesome. So yeah. You, got to, you did get to go to graduation. Yes. <laughs> and then, so like, what was the thought process? I mean, Oh nine, this is, you know, the depths of the, the depths of the recession, really bad time, really hard to get any sort of job was like college just thought, okay, back burner right now. We can't have any extra expenses. Did your mom lose her job? Like was what was going on uh, with your dad and were like their less roots and stuff like that. Yeah. So my dad actually ended up losing his job. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, it's funny, I actually ended up losing that truck driving job as well, mm -hmm. uh, a little further down the line. But um, yeah, so I kind of kept going with the truck driving just to save up some cash. Um, at that point, too, I was also working at an Italian restaurant in Saugus. You know, I started doing deliveries and then moved to dishwashing and then, you know, a little prep work as well, whatever I can get my hands on. Yeah. Um, and quickly realized, okay, I need to figure out a better plan here. And that started with applying to community college. And how many, uh, how many hours were you working, uh, kind of, this is 09 after you graduated 2000, like that summer and kind of that following year, how long were you working like in the restaurant industry? And that before you kind of said, okay, I need to get to community college. Um, a year, it was more than a year, more than a year or three years actually oh wow okay so you were doing this for a while tell me a little bit about like how many hours you're working I, you said restaurants and all that stuff how, how much were you bringing in you think uh, after all that all together yeah I, originally it would be the the truck driving which i would start at 3 a.m and i would usually finish around 1 p.m mm -hmm. um and then i would go and do nights at the restaurants which would usually be like six to ten so you would you sleep from one to five <laughs> there were some nights where I wouldn't sleep at all, which, which yeah. is not, not advisable, especially while driving. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, got used to kind of limited sleep, I guess you could say for sure. Yeah. And so you were working, it sounds like 70 ish hours, 80 hours. 
That sounds about right. And uh, again, I don't want to sound like a hero here. I, I definitely wasn't in the best mindset myself either. Um, you know, I, I could have definitely avoided some of these hours and avoided some of these jobs if I had a plan set in stone. Um, so I, I don't want it to sound like this was like, what was me? I, I had to do this to grind out. I mean, at the end of the day, this is kind of the choices I've made as well. I mean, yeah. obviously some consequences led me there, but, um, do you feel you like, know. do you feel like, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people still went to college right in 2009, 2010. Is there a reason right. you hadn't applied? Did you feel like your grades weren't there? What was going on? I mean, I think a lot of it, a lot happened in my personal life. Um, you know, my grandfather passed away. Yeah. My parents ended up getting divorced. So I kind of felt like I had this excuse to, yeah, uh, trying to use the right words, like uh, mess, mess around. around, mess around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you right? can use, uh, yeah, it's okay if you use some uh, profanity. We'll just mark it as uh, profane. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you had a, an excuse to mess around. Um, right. Nobody was going to blame me for not going like, oh, he's got all this. And, you know, I embodied that. And that's definitely a regret in my life. But, you know, being able to acknowledge that, I guess, before it was too late was huge for me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, was it some depression? Was it some like pretty, were you pretty down during that time? I mean, a divorce is probably brutal, even though you're a little, you're at least you're kind of a little bit older, but still. Um, tell me a little bit of how that, like, did you feel like you felt a little sorry for yourself back then? But I mean, it doesn't sound like you were like, at least you were working, right? Because you had right. to. Yeah, um, I was working. I have no money saved to show for it, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think definitely it was tough and like all together, you're probably bringing like 30,000 a year or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. If that, and yeah. you know, um, who were you living with at this point? Like during these couple of years where you before community, community college? Yeah. So I was actually living with my aunt at the time in Revere and she is my idol. Right. Yeah. One day I'll be able to buy her a Jaguar and just be like, here's, here's your gift. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Ho hopefully I can get to that point. For sure. <laughs> so tell me yeah. a little bit about kind of what led you to finally think, okay, now is the right time for college. You just like, you were in the grind. Was that, was that enough to, to kind of wake you up? Yeah, I think so. I was able to kind of start saving. I, I think, you know, I eventually got over myself and it's like, okay, I need to think a little more long-term here. Um, how long can I live with my aunt? How long can I keep these jobs going like what's the next steps right. and um did she give you advice did anybody give you advice outside of your immediate family yeah definitely um a high school friend his mom just like sat me down and was like do you need help applying to school like why haven't you applied to school mm -hmm. do this do this do this and it was definitely nagging me along and i'm like yeah 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 i'm, I'm gonna start this summer i'll start this fall i'll start this spring and then, you know, just one day you, you actually commit and sign up and. Is there, so there was some, there was some hesitation. So you did have some people in your corner kind of cheering you on. Um, but there was some hesitation there about applying just because you thought, I still don't know what I want to do, even if I go to school. Was that the process or what, what were you thinking? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, a big thing for me was the cost. I didn't want to pay. Um, yeah. 
I didn't want to take on student loans for sure, just because I could see what happens when you have that much debt, like oh, everything yeah. get taken away from you. So, oh yeah, it's a, it, can, it can create a spiral, right? Um, a yeah. downward spiral. So tell me a little bit about like, okay, finally you're like, okay, I have some money saved. When you said I have some money saved, was it like $10,000, $20,000? Not even no, 5,000? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking under 5,000. Okay, so from this, from this amount, what are you thinking? You're like, I can at least pay for a semester or a couple semesters or whatever. Yeah. So I ended up going on a payment plan for Bunker Hill Community College, um, which is a two-year program. Mm -hmm. Um, I selected accounting, right? Accounting, finance, secure positions where I can, you know, work for a big company and get that retirement fund and everything. That was my next goal to be as safe as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you saw 09, you were like... Okay, so you're risk averse. Yeah, you select accounting, you kind of go through it kind of uh, and then and then tell me about that those couple years at the community college, how'd you do and then eventually you went to UMass, right? Correct. Yeah, Tell me a little bit about that transition. And for for listeners who are in a similar boat, what was it like? Was it hard? You know, I assume you're still working part time stuff like that. Yeah, I was definitely working uh, nights going to school mornings. Um, And community college is just that big diverse bucket of people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just wanted to make sure I was the ones that took it serious. So I I definitely did take it seriously. Um, I think my high school education definitely helped prepare me to kind of succeed there. So I was getting perfect grades, right. Cause I was trying and and really digging in because this was my money. This was my time. I definitely felt invested. Um, so I was, I, I didn't spend much time on campus, but there was this sign at Bunker Hill. It was called Learn and Earn. And basically you get credit for uh, a course and you get an internship program. So I was all over that. Let me get some experience in the industry. Um, Yeah. So just sent my resume across and actually ended up working with um, State Street Corporation in cash processing like super back office, back office operations. Hey, but it's good. You get a little finance, something on your resume. Great. Right. Okay. So and, you, and that was back in 2017. Yeah. And so you're starting or kind 2015, of 2015. Sorry. Yeah. 2015. So you start kind of working there. You do a couple of years at uh, Bunker Hill community college, but then what's the, what's the process? So after two years, are you expected to kind of apply to a four-year program? What's the, what's, what do a lot of people do? And what would you suggest? Yeah, I think after the two years, definitely try to transfer all credits over to a four-year school. Mm -hmm. Um, In Massachusetts, there is this program where all your credits will transfer if you go to a public school. Um, And if you had a certain GPA, you automatically got a discount off the tuition. I think the GPA was like a 3-4. And and I actually had a 4-0 coming out of Bunker Hill. So I I took advantage of that discount. How much much is the discount? I, I, I couldn't tell you at this point. Yeah. But it definitely was a good chunk. Like 10, 20%, something like that. I think it was 15, so right in the middle, but yeah. it's definitely worth it. To and then how, mu- how much was it costing for like a full year at like a UMass? I think I was paying after FAFSA um, around 7,500 a year. So okay. super affordable for while working. I mean, not super affordable, but affordable enough. Yeah. You could do it. You could put it together. Okay. So tell me about, was it then just two years at UMass because you'd already done the two years at Bunker Hill and tell me about your, your thought process there and kind of when, 
you know, was valuation on the roadmap then? Or like, what were you thinking in terms of like summer internships? Were you still with, it's, it looks like you were with State Street for a while. So did you do a couple of summers there? Um, did yeah. you have the summers off at UMass? What, what happened? Yeah, so I was actually an intern at State Street um, part-time as well. Okay. And there was this huge snowstorm in February of, maybe it was 2016. Uh, I might be off on the year, but of course, a New England snowstorm, right? Yeah. And yeah. this was before work from home was easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so nobody's able to get into work. Um, and I was an intern. I was like, All right, I, I have to go, right? There's no, I don't get the option of not going. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up taking, uh, just driving in and um, getting there safely, of course. And I was one of maybe seven people in today at State Street, like hundreds of people work in one building, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so everything kind of went through through me that day. And I think that led to them extending like a full-time offer while I was at Bunker Hill getting my associates. And yeah, it was in back office operations. That was my foot in the door, right? That was still a big deal. Because like, what was the salary for that? Like 40, 50, something like that? Yeah, it was 33, but yeah. 33, okay, so pretty low. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, but it's something, it's stable, right? Right, exactly. And I was able to build on that. Once I was in, um, you know, I didn't stay in at least cash processing. I was still in operations, but I was able to kind of move into a different group, more of a treasury group. Yep. And the way I did that was by, you know, State Street had a soccer team. I was all over that. State Street did volunteer opportunities. I was all over that and just meeting people across completely different departments. Mm-hmm. And we were painting a school in Roxbury for a volunteer event. And uh, my girlfriend, now wife at the time, or wife, girlfriend at the time, yeah, um, was with me and we're just having fun talking, painting. And I ended up hitting it off with an MD at State Street who was in Treasury. And, you know, we just had a, a great time. And he just mentions like, hey, our group's hiring. You want to get out of cash and come to treasury? It's like, yep, of course. Yeah, yeah. And so what was that? Like, why why would you make that jump? Is it just better opportunities? Yeah, you you definitely talk or you work with um, investment management clients instead of yeah. um, kind of cash processing was like a sweep at the end of the day. Whatever cash was left in people's portfolios, we would just put it in a repo yeah. or... Um, so that was huge because... Actually, one of the clients that I had in Treasury was Eaton Vance, which was my next next move in the process. So let's talk about that. So let's talk about, so you're, you're doing how many hours a week with, with State Street while you're at the UMass? At this time, I'm 40, 40 hours a week. Oh, and, a week. And then, but what are the hours for that? Um, it's pretty standard, eight to five. Or and so when are you to going to school at night? Yep. Yeah, I'm going six to eight, um, three days a week at this point with okay. one online. Got it. And so then you end up graduating 2017. And so like, tell me what happened here. And like, were you looking for a jump? What was the, what was the thought process? Yeah, so I actually made the jump before even graduating to okay. Eaton Vance. Um, like I said, Eaton Vance was a client and they were looking for someone to come um, do like internal portfolio evaluation. Mm-hmm. And while it wasn't a one-for-one jump, they were mostly looking for someone who was eager, willing to learn. And, you know, I had, um, a good network at State Street that would back me and back my resume and actually send it over to the client. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which definitely helped. So, so yeah, I actually made the jump to Eaton Vance um, before graduation at UMass Boston, which I thought was unheard of. Uh, but, yeah, that's amazing. And so like, did you feel like, what was the, what was the role like? Did you, at this point, what was your pay? Cause I know, did you go get a bump when you jumped to treasury at least? Yeah. Yeah. I got some bumps along the way. Um, I was still under that 50 K mark though, even at Eaton Vance. Even at Eaton Vance. Okay. So the, you're still kind of like um, doing more like processing stuff. You're doing settlements, you're doing um, all that stuff. At, at what point do you start kind of thinking to yourself, okay, um, what's my path, like long-term path? Had you set it at that point? I knew you had just, gra- you hadn't even graduated. Right. Before, um, but had you, did you have a vision or were you like, hey, I'm just going to try to learn? I was going with the flow, but I think when I got to eat in Vance, everything kind of changed, right? So tell um, me why. Yeah, tell me why. So first, eat in Vance, too international. I'm right in the financial district. Um, as you walk through the halls, uh, the whole stairwell has CFA certificates just plastered a- across, and it, it's really cool how much they they hold that value. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, I was like, "What is what is this? What does this do?" So I just did some research there and ended up signing up for Level One December 2017. Um, Very cool. So I, I kind of did more research on the CFA. Like, what jobs do people normally get? Of course, I was like, how much pay do people normally yeah, get? Of course. And uh, I set my sights on equity research as being kind of where I wanted to go. Got it. And so, yeah. So tell me about your kind of two years at Eddie Vance, how it progressed. Did you feel like you were learning or like, did it, did the learning curve flatten out? And what were you doing day to day there? Yeah. So I ended up making a switch at Eaton Vance to the valuation team. Uh, and what they were doing was, um, how did you, well, how did you make that switch? Did you want to make it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You knew, um, you knew at this point, you're like, wait, valuation is a better place to be and get yeah. you know, better skills. Okay, cool. Sure. So what they did, um, there was a nightly pricing to help strike nabs on the mutual funds. Mm-hmm. Um, there were illiquid bonds or fixed income products that wouldn't trade. Yeah. So we had to come up with a price with them nightly. Um, and that process was a pain because, you know, if you were on vacation, well, you do the nightly pricing. It, it gets tough, right? Yeah. So there are some, not a lot of people want to do that job. And um, they asked the floor, like, does anyone want to help learn pricing so that basically our managers can take a vacation finally? Yeah. And of course, I was like, yeah, I want to learn. And, you know, I learned one process and then I learned how to do all the pricing processes. And then I ended up um, kind of, playing around with, with coding, just basically what I could learn on Google. Yeah. And I ended up streamlining and automating the processes. And what were you using like VBA mostly? Yeah. Yeah. I was using VBA basically just to make like a summary page where instead of going into each folder direction, you just click that button and it opens up the file for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it hits a timestamp. So you know that you did it. Like it was basic stuff, but it helped it helped yeah. the pricing, especially when you have that tight window to strike a nap. So, were they imp- were they impressed? I mean, they were impressed enough to bring me over, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, cool. So you're you're doing all that stuff, and then you you so oh so that's what actually got you over to the valuation team, running that whole doing that whole VBA stuff. They say, hey, why don't you come over? And did they force you to run that every night, like basically for for a long time? Oh yeah. But, but I liked it because I was able to tweak and kind of learn as I'm going. I, I didn't know coding. I, yeah. 
I just learned from YouTube and Google, yeah. right? It's amazing. Okay. So you're kind of, you're doing that whole thing. And then at what point, you know, you, you sit for the CFA, I assume you pass level one. Yep. I, so I passed level one in December, uh, the same month that I graduated. Yep. Um, and then I signed up for, I think it was June at that point, June, 2018. So I was going to do December to June yep. uh, for level two. I ended up passing level two in 2018. And then I got married in July, 2018. Nice. So that two year period was just crazy. A whole lifetime yeah. <laughs> packed into two years. That is nuts. So when did you kind of, um, when was your, when was your thought process of like, okay, my, here's my jump to equity research. Were you kind of starting to talk or network with people while you were at Eaton Vance, knowing that like, that's what you wanted to do long time. And why don't you actually, we didn't even say like, what is Eaton Vance? What are they, what's their main thing? We didn't even say that for the listeners. Yeah, it's an investment management firm. They're known for their um, bond funds for sure. Yeah. Um, but they have probably about 50 mutual funds. Um, actually a lot more, but 50 that I worked on yeah. uh, specifically. Okay. Um, in mostly institutional clients, right? Yeah. And so were you like a year in, were you saying, okay, I got the CFA, I'm married. Now's the time, equity research. And like, what did you do to kind of prep for that, for that jump? Yeah. I think everything I did at State Street, I also did at Eaton Vance. I was playing soccer with the team. I was volunteering. Um, I even chartered a Toastmasters group around public speaking. So I was able to get everyone in that building to come and at least interact with them. Yeah. So, cause there's equity research within eat bands. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm interacting with these uh, colleagues of mine that are in the position that I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to say like, how do I get in? How do I get in? And yeah. they're giving me this advice and, and I'm following it and I'm trying to do the job before uh, I'm in the role, which is kind of how it worked in valuation. Right. Um, it ended up not working at Eaton Vance, but, um, you know, I, I thought I was prepared enough to make the jump. And I think having level two under my belt was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, having valuation was huge, even though it wasn't direct, like equity valuation was more on the bond side. Um, and then just networking was. Well, tell me about important. You said, you said something interesting. You said, you know, I, I felt like the way I got the valuation job was doing the job before I had it. And you said for equity research, you kind of did the same thing. Were you writing up like reports and sending them over to like the team at Eadvance? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I was. I kind of latched on to, so our soccer team was just stacked with equity, equity analysts, equity analysts. I was like, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't belong in the soccer team, <laughs> but you know, I was willing to play goalie and they needed a goalie, right? So that's awesome. And so like you just started networking with them and what did you say? Hey, I can help you out or, or, you know, um, how, how did you kind of make it? So it wasn't super awkward. Uh, no, I think, um, they were so willing to help me that it wasn't super awkward. It was kind of the opposite. They were kind of giving me homework to do. Right. And they expected me to do it. And I think that was huge to latch onto that. And while it wasn't directly related to what they're doing, like I wasn't helping them. Yeah. It was more like case study work. What kind of homework? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like what were they doing and what would you suggest to listeners if people want to break into equity research? Like what are the steps? Yeah. So they would say, pick a company um, and, and write a pitch basically on the company. Give me uh, a model that you can come up and explain a price target. Um, give me, you know, a full SWOT analysis on what could make the price target go up, what can make the price co- target go down and, Basically, they were just asking for a PowerPoint slide. 
um, which I think is good for the buy side, but I was looking um, sell side, which was completely different, but. Tell me why and tell the listeners why. Um, so the interview process was, was similar to buy side. I assume at least, you know, they want to know that you understand how valuation works, um, understand how, um, you know, Excel works and, and models work itself. But when I got to equity research, it was at least South side, it was heavy, heavy on business writing. And that definitely was a weak point for me. So how did you get better? Or like, so you, you ended up making the jump, right? For me in Vance. Tell me about, let's, let's go to the part where you started networking and interviewing. So tell me about that. Yeah. So I heavily relied on LinkedIn. I would just search equity research associate and anyone that popped up that maybe had a connection, maybe didn't have a connection. Was that a company that I was looking at personalized invite? Hey, do you have 15 minutes to talk? I'm trying to get into equity research. Just want to learn a little bit more. And, and what was your hit rate? What was your hit rate? So out of a hundred messages like that, how many people connected with you and got back and how many phone calls did you do? I mean, the funny thing is I would like, I still get people getting back to me today. <laughs> and even though I sent it years ago, yeah, so yeah. the hit rates definitely skewed, but I probably had good conversations with like seven people in the industry. Yeah. And so like, but you probably had message how many people for those seven calls, like a hundred. Um, I think a little under a hundred, but yeah, I was definitely getting my, okay. Yeah. So not bad. Um, so you'd say probably 20% people actually responding to you and then you were actually able to get on the phone call with the seven of them, which is not bad. And so did any of those conversations lead to anything? Yeah. Yeah. One of them, uh, well, two of them, obviously, but one of them specifically early was like, Hey, we're looking for, and this was also a targeted message. I saw they had an no open opening. rack. Oh, okay. And I, I looked at who the associate was and I was like, okay, he might get bumped up and he might be hiring for him. So I met, when I messaged him, I kind of had the hunch that they had an opening. Yeah. So you weren't just applying blindly. You were actually doing the networking on top yep, of it. So I, I didn't apply to a single position. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really important lesson for listeners out there that sometimes it's actually more effective to just if you see an opening, actually just talk to people who are around that opening rather than just dropping your resume and hoping you get a response. So, okay. So you talked to this person, what did they say? How did it, how did it all evolve? What was it? What was the interview like and how did you survive? Yeah. A lot of it, I was just asking questions and trying to take the focus off what I don't know and talk more on what I do now. Yeah. Um, they, the positions that I was applying for were recovering financials. I thought that made sense. My best shot, given that I worked at State Street, I worked at Eaton Vance. Mm -hmm. um, so I would be covering State Street, which would be totally surreal, right? But it's fake, right? It's totally different financials. Right. Like a typical Completely. company. So did you have any experience with that? Nope. And yeah. that was definitely eye-opening to see. <laughs> and so how did those interviews go? You're, they started asking all about like financial institutions and those financials. Did you bomb it? Um. I'd say I bombed it, but I think I have a good way of talking where, where I can tread water long enough for them to um, at least give me the answer themselves. And I could be like, yep, that's where I was going, right? Um, okay. But, uh, so, but again, I think I was eager. I was willing to learn. Uh, you know, I was trying hard to get these roles. And I think that was more important than my technicals at that time. Right. And so you, you ended up um, jumping over in January of 2019 to Wolf Research? Yeah, it's a teak shop south side in New York. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm 
four months married at this point and hey we have to leave our family go to new york yeah um, tell me how that went was that tough it was definitely tough yeah where um, in new york my, did you live we lived in queens and woodside yeah um, so cool. i was on the seven uh wolf was right in grand central so i would just take the seven right in nice yeah i lived in astoria for a summer when i was in college so oh, that's I, awesome I queens. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah my wife worked in astoria actually and she was she was able to walk to work at least nice. in the summer. But. Nice. So you guys, so you you moved there. You're taking uh, taking the train straight into Grand Central. Um, what was the role like? Was it harder than you expected? Was it easier? Um, what was the learning curve like? And then uh, why the move eventually after about a year? Yeah, the learning curve was steep. Yeah, um, especially for me. I think uh, I didn't realize how weak my writing was until I was in the role and. I definitely was getting better, but not at the rate that I wanted or not at the rate that anyone else wanted as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that, think, that caused a lot of stress for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, hours were, were typical hours, right? I was working Monday through Saturday, um, you know, all day long, all night long. Like 12, 18 hour days? Yeah, 12 being the minimum. 12, okay. Um, this is a pretty rigorous job. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's sell side as well, which, which is people need to differentiate between, I mean, in sell side, you need to be ahead of the news, right? Because what's the impact you have buy side calling you like, Hey, I just saw earnings came out. What does this mean? And you have to have that formulated already. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a 24 hour job. Yeah. And so you were, you were getting grinded they're not happy with your writing because your writing isn't up to speed because you don't have a lot of experience. And plus, I don't know, maybe you just didn't have the, you know, the writing chop, the writing chops, the business writing chops. It's hard, right? It's a different, it's a totally different language. And so you were still, you were still developing that. For sure. So tell me like, is that why you were there for only a year? Did they let you go? What happened? Yeah, it, that's definitely why I was kind of planning my exit in June, July to, yeah. to try to get out of there. And, you know, I kind of made this deal with my wife, like, you know, we came out to New York for this job. Uh, maybe it's time to go back to Boston around family. Because yeah. if I'm going to work 12 to 18 hours, I at least want her to be around family while, while I'm off working. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I, I probably let the emotions get the best of me here because I was like, I'm done with Wall Street, done with finance. Like, yeah. what did I like? I think I like talking I like talking to clients. I like being an authority in the space. I was like, let me try kind of like a sales role and, and bet on myself here. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to, again, tap into my network. And this is actually funny because um, a recruiter set me up for um, an interview at Priority Capital, which is where I ended up. And I'm, I walk into the interview and they're telling me, okay, a VP of sales is going to come down and interview you. And it just so happens to be a customer that used to come into this restaurant that I worked at years before. And I was always bubbly and, you know, I, I embraced the restaurant life for sure. I, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was pretty good at selling the front of the store, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we just hit it off immediately. It wasn't an interview. It was a conversation. Yeah. And he was like, if you want this job, it, it's, I mean, he didn't say that but that's yeah, how I it's, felt. Basically, it's basically like if you want the job it's yours and this was back in boston correct yep and so this was like a, an account executive like basically a sales role so tell me about for what yeah so what we were doing is kind of brokering um equipment finance deals 
Mm. So we had a syndicate of partners that we worked with um, and they would provide the funding, but we had to find the clients that needed the funding. So this was a tough, tough role for sure. Um, Well, how did you get comfortable leaving? I mean, well, it sounds like the writing was on the wall at Wolf anyways, but what was the pay there? Was it over 50 at that point in New York? Yeah, it was 75. Um, I forfeited my bonus. I, I mean, yeah, it was it was time to go and definitely going to be a regret, but I'm yeah. so much happier now that, that, <laughs> that you made the jump. So like you, you were like, hey, I'm done with Wall Street. I'm going to go try sales. Right. And so you came and came back to Boston. Um, you're at this priority capital in some sort of brokerage shop. How did you get comfortable moving there? Yeah. Because um, like it sounds like who knows? It sounds like a pretty is a pretty small company. Yeah, definitely a small company. Again, it was knowing the VP was huge. I trusted him. Um, He trusted me. And I like the idea of, okay, now I'm moving to a position where I'm kind of betting on myself, like where commissions are heavily relied on my my work that I put in. What was the base there? Zero? Um, No, it was actually a really great comp structure. I think I came in at 60K. Yeah, base. And then- plus commission and the commission was uncapped. So, yeah, that's great. And so how did, how did it turn out? It went well. I mean, the first month I didn't think I, I don't think I got a single sale, right. Um, definitely another steep learning curve, Okay. but, um, I was on the fault on the phone calling 300 clients a day, like cold call, like as cold as it gets looking up, Googling phone numbers of small businesses. You're like, hey, this is Dave. Do you need to buy any equipment? Because we can help you find financing. And it was brutal, the responses you would get. Yes. Yeah, so basically, people buying equipment, so small businesses that needed equipment, potentially you would help, you know, basically match the finance financing and you guys would take a cut of if any, if any exactly. dollars were raised and you get yeah. a commission off of that. Right. Okay. So it's, it's pretty, tough, pretty tough job. You're getting rejected you know, all day. <laughs> yeah. So how did that feel? I mean, did you feel like, yeah, this is fine. This is, this is good. I can deal with it. Or how did, well, how was it? In- it was definitely mixed feelings. I felt yeah. um, as if I was working hard and I was getting some results and they were coming along, but you know, it's one of those jobs where 5 PM comes off and you're able to turn, turn off and not worry about the day. And there was something, I guess, maybe that I'm wired but like, I, I like being attached to my work. I like carrying it forward and, and I don't know, something was just missing and I definitely missed finance, right? That's what it was. I wanted to be a little more analytical. Um, I missed the spreadsheets. I missed PowerPoint. <laughs> hey, you were doing VBA way back in the day. So like, yeah, you had to know all this kind of wasted opportunity. <laughs> so, so tell me like, so what, what was it like when that first kind of sale did happen though? So the first month you didn't, the first sale did. So what, what do you get for that? Like a couple grand or something or a thousand bucks? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a couple, couple grand. Um, but the big thing was, um, you know, the recognition An email goes out to the whole sales team, like deal in Dave Steele, right? Yeah. Here's the, here's the, the revenue that I made on it. So everyone's comp was clear. This yeah. is how much this person's making. There's a leaderboard for the month, you know. That's fun. Um, but that first deal, you get it. Everyone comes up to your desk. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. 
they're telling you like go ring the bell there's a big bell so it, it sounds exciting. very sales it sounds very sales very much a right. sales organization okay so how many of their war how many sales people were there like 10 20 uh yeah less than 20 less than 20 okay so you're there did you ring the bell yeah of course good good and then how many yeah over that year you were there for about a year how many that year did you close um i'd say i was closing towards the end three or four a month oh wow yeah so they kind why of did, carry then you're starting to make good money though yeah i definitely was and i think COVID hit and it was starting to drop right oh okay so we're now we're all working from home and now my wheels are spinning again i'm like i passed two levels of the cfa like i should probably go back and finish that yeah and you're at this point you know you're just getting the 60k base because there's not a lot of deals coming in right and so you're like "Mm, this is not you know i could probably be getting more so what's what's your thought process you're like i kind of miss finance so you just kind of pull up LinkedIn again and start networking again. What was the thought process here? That's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but like, where did you look? You obviously want to stay in Boston, right? But like, where did you start looking? Um, talk about like the process you went through of like, okay, I know I want to be in finance. What, you know, you had the valuation background, you had the equity research background. Um, tell me a little bit about like how you went about thinking through that. Yeah, I think it was definitely a big self-reflection Um, I, in my past, I focused so much on the job description and the role and the power that came with that role, instead of looking at the skills I have, what I like to do, what I like about the roles, um, and trying to find a job that way. So when I went researching on the CFA, it was like equity research is, or an equity analyst portfolio manager. I didn't really look like, oh, what, what skills do you need to be a portfolio manager? I was just like equity research. That's, that's a cool title. That's what I want. And, yeah. and I didn't know better. And it, I mean, the more I researched, the more I, I wanted to be an authority in the space. So I was like, okay, what do I like? I like talking to clients. I like kind of being an expert in something. I want to be an authority in my space. Yeah. I want to be analytical and I'm putting these together and you know, it seems like more of like a consultant or this valuation professional made the most sense for me. Yeah. So I just did searches. I actually went on the CFA website as well, looked at, and, and I did the same thing. I looked for open positions and then messaged people that had that, those open positions. Yeah. It's like, I just want to chat. I don't, I, I, Oh, you have a job opening. Wow. What a surprise. <laughs> no idea. Oh yeah. My resume is updated as well. So yeah, exactly. Oh, here it is. Um, okay. So you're, you're basically interviewing and, um, you end up at Grant Thornton, correct? Yep. Yeah. So I was looking to get bigger after being at a boutique, uh, and then priority capital is a boutique as well. I knew maybe something like a big four, big five, I guess, Grant Thornton likes to say they're the five, right? There was a big five. (laughs) Um, so I did Grant Thornton RSM. I applied to as well, um, had good conversations and ended up in the valuation team, um, which is technically strategy and transactions. And I was specifically within complex financial instruments. So I was helping private companies value, um, convertible debt, um, and do like financial reporting type, uh, valuation work. Got it. And so what was your pay now? Yeah. Now I was in the nineties plus yeah. bonus and, um, you know, 
me nice. and my wife popped the champagne. We, we thought we were, we, we made it, right? <laughs> the high life. <laughs> I love it. No, so this is great. So, I mean, your trajectory is good. And then, so you're there for, um, through recently, till recently. So um, talk, talk to me about like the progression there. Was it a good learning curve for you? Did you feel like you're working with a lot of different clients? And then um, why, why the move to this new company, Technos? Yeah, I think that was the best piece you kind of mentioned at Grant Thornton. I was working with so many different clients in so many different industries. Yeah. And you're expected to be the valuation expert. And you get to talk to these CFOs and CEOs of these amazing companies. And they're the expert of their companies. Yeah. So you kind of have that back and forth where you explain the company to me, I'll explain the valuation to you. And we both end the call learning something new, which yeah. I was in love with. Yeah. Um, I think Grant Thornton, and of course, this is kind of a bigger company issue, right? Where there's this hierarchy and, you know, the lower level associates don't get that much independence in uh, interacting with the project the whole way through. Mm, okay. um, so that was my big thing is I, really wanted to run projects from start to finish. You wanted them. that, you wanted that relationship with the clients. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to own that relationship. Yeah. And okay. if their auditors came in and asked questions, I wanted to be able to defend my own work as well. Got it. And I think, um, you know, I, I expressed that to Grant Thornton and they were definitely on board with making kind of adjustments to help me get there. Um, but I want now, right? Yeah. <laughs> impatience no just kidding i know no, no. <laughs> no so so you so you started talking to other valuation shops and stuff and uh, tell me why technos and it, was it just a, a more senior role that type of that type, that type of thing i assume yeah I, I talked to technos um it's a small small firm again there's 10 of us total um and the way they pitched it to me and the way i pitched it to them mm -hmm. i wanted autonomy i wanted to be an authority in the space and they wanted to offer me the opportunity to do that. And they wanted to help me develop to, to be that guy and authority in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we both, we both thought it was just a great fit. I think most of the interview was around, um, do I like you? Do you like me? Yeah. And we just really hit it off. That's great. That's yeah. great. And so um, is the goal, at least for the, for the near term, just be valuation for a while, just like build a career there? Yeah, I think I definitely found something that just matches my personality. Um, like I said, I can be an individual contributor, but also I have this solid managing director who is helping me in every aspect and knows like there's nothing that can come across his desk that he hasn't seen before. So yeah, I'm able awesome. to bounce ideas off of him, but he wants me to figure it out on my own. And I have that personality that works. That's great. And then, so when you say like uh, domain you know, expert, is it just evaluations in general? Or are you talking like specific industries like that? Like, are there certain things you want to specialize, like value these types of valuations or these types of companies? Or are you looking to like build just overall valuation expertise? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. I think being in Boston, um, we definitely see a lot more of the biotech companies just because of the area that I'm in. Yeah. Um, but, but we also get a lot of gaming companies that I'm interested in. We get a lot in the crypto space. That's extremely interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I, I probably got 11 companies that I'm working on an active engagement right now. Mm -hmm. And it's probably five different industries. That's so, cool. Yeah, That's really cool. definitely keeps it exciting. And the so life you, cycle and valuation is quick. Two to three weeks, new project. Oh, wow. So, so you're just like, boom, 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 kind of running through it. 
Tell me a little bit about like, so are you doing this remote? I assume because uh, their technos is, is in SF, right? Based in SF. So tell me about, are you um, just staying in Boston? They were cool with you doing remote because that, that's kind of a trend now, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've gone fully remote. Uh, I've met them in person. We're, we're trying to do like quarterly meetups, which is really cool. But yeah. yeah, I'm fully remote and I don't plan to ever not be. Yeah. Now you love which, it, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> it's another piece too, is when I did that self-reflection, I was thinking, okay, I'm married. I want to have children. What's important to me. Uh, and what's important to me is being able to, to know that 10 years down the line, my son or daughter has baseball practice or dance recital. I'm yeah. able to get out, go to that and not miss anything. And I think valuation offers that flexibility, specifically technos. I mean, Anytime they need me to step out, they're able, as long as everything's getting done, but yeah, yeah, you know, I you think that's like late night. If you have to, it's not a big deal. Like, uh, yeah, as long as you get it done. That's awesome, man. So looking back on your, on your trajectory from uh, truck driver, community college, all the way up to valuation, senior associate, tell me like any words of wisdom you'd give to kids listening right now that are maybe finding themselves in a similar position to you. Maybe they're an equity research associate stressed out working 80 hours a week in New York. Maybe they're um, earlier in the journey. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think the big piece is to talk to as many people as possible. Um, just, I think it's completely underutilized people asking people to talk. If I got a LinkedIn message from someone, do you have 10 minutes to talk about your career? I will say yes, 100% of the time. And maybe it's, it's two days later because I just can't get to it, but I will say yes. And I think there are so many people that are willing to do the same. And just making that initial outreach just doesn't happen enough. Um, so definitely do that. That's surprising because um, I've been preaching it for like 15 years. I know, I know. <laughs> You're monkey to millions. That's where I, basically I would see it all day. I'm like, I think exactly the way Patrick is thinking. <laughs> I, I love it. Keep teaching these kids, please. Yeah, I, it's tough because it's intimidating, though. You know, it's intimidating. I think a lot of people hear like, oh, network. Yeah, okay, well, what does that mean? That's annoying. Like, I have to pretend like I'm interested. Like, well, no, actually, you should, like, if you want a career and you want to actually, like, earn any money and actually build something, you should be interested. You should be genuinely interested to learn. Um, many people feel like they have to fake it or ask, like, set questions. Like, just be actually curious. And it, it tends to, you know, you tend to ask good questions. Um, when you're curious, as long as you're not just like, Hey, what's the pay right away? <laughs> yeah. I think my best networking calls have been the ones where I don't talk at all. Yeah. And they just guide you for sure. Well, Dave, really appreciate your story. Really appreciate you sharing all the words of wisdom for, for the listeners out there. Um, it's incredible how far you've come and, and uh, your story, I think is really inspirational. So thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I do mean, if people want to look me up on LinkedIn and get a coffee chat, like virtually. I'm happy to do that with anyone. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I think you'll be part of our uh, WSO mentors group too. Eventually um, we'll get you in there. So yeah, if people right. want to connect with you that way, um, they can, they can ask us that way too. But yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. And until next time.